0: Please remember conversations during EY podcasts should not be relied upon as accounting, tax, legal investment, nor other professional advice. Listeners must consult their own advisors.
1: It's who's more reliable and who's more knowledgeable in the system. So the best thing is be respectful, do your best to be calm, and you can simply say, I'm not interested in having a conversation. I want to exercise my right to be silent and I'd like to speak to an attorney. Then after that, this is the hard part. You really just stay silent. These are rights, you have them, just be patient.
0: Truth is, humanity can save itself and our planet. And right at this very moment, there's someone who's taken on this challenge and is on a path to solving an incredibly tough global problem. This podcast was created to tell you about them. You're listening to Better Heroes, a show from the global EY organization about the untold stories of entrepreneurs devoting their lives to impactful innovation. And I'm your host, Matt C. Smith. As an entrepreneur myself, I get my motivation from other founders and entrepreneurs. I love hearing about why they're so passionate about what they're building and what drives them to keep going. But Better Heroes isn't just about the innovators. Each episode we'll share how technology is a tool for hope and how the solutions you're gonna hear about can positively transform communities across the globe. In our first season, we'll tackle climate catastrophe, global unemployment, food insecurity, and social inequality. We've also invited founders and people within the EY community, and they'll talk about the role that businesses, governments, and the social sector can play in championing impact entrepreneurs. There are 30 basic human rights enumerated by the UN in 1948. Can you name a few of them? Five? 10 maybe? A lot of them are common sense. You should be free to practice your own religion. Everyone should be treated equally. And no one should be wrongfully imprisoned. But it gets a lot more complicated from that. Things like poverty rights, asylum, and references to fair reason. And these rights are not the same around the world. Just within the United States of America, your rights can change depending on whichever state you're located in. And you can't always stop to look up your rights at the moment you're in a situation when you need to know them. Rights, spelled R-E-Y-E-T-S, is an app meant to help you educate yourself about your rights and then help you through a situation when you need to exercise them. It offers tools for interactions with police or other times when you're a witness or the victim of injustice. Rights was founded by Wail Ashawaf. After a legal situation, that he says could have ended very differently if he knew what he knows now.
1: It's been a journey for sure. And that journey started more than 25 years ago. When I was 17, I was going to university in upstate New York. I think it was my second week on campus, you know, fresh out of home, living on my own. And I got arrested on the dorms. And I was wrongfully arrested. But at the time of being 17, I had like no idea what my rights were whatsoever. And I made every mistake you could think of. Like I didn't exercise my right to be silent. I didn't ask for a lawyer. In my head, all I thought was, well, the justice system's there to advocate for my innocence. It'll be fine. It's just a mistake. And then the people that were witnessing what happened to me, they had no idea how to help me either. So that incident didn't end up so well for me. So I ended up like getting kicked out of university and it was a pleasant experience.
0: In your experience there as well, I think, you know, we all assume that the justice system is there as a safety net, right? Like, oh, don't worry. You know, of course, like you said, wrongfully imprisoned or almost, or, you know, there's so many cases of wrongful imprisonment that have come around and, and come full circle later in, in, in many years of imprisonments. But the justice system is meant to be innocent until proven guilty, is it not? It is meant to be, but there's
1: a caveat. The caveat is that the justice system is more like a playground where you can come with your evidence, with your tools, with your resources, and advocate for your own innocence. Mm. And the state is going to do the same. They're going to try to prosecute you because that's their role. That's how the justice system, at least in the U.S., that's how it works. So that means if you have knowledge and resources, then you're in a better position to do that. And if you don't, you're just out of luck.
0: As of now, rights is only available in the U.S. But Wail tells us that eventually they plan to expand all over the world. They're tailored their approach based on location. In the United States, for example, a lot of the rights people need more information about are linked to the justice system and interactions with police. This
1: like light bulb went in my head. I was like, wow. So if I don't know my rights, do I even really have them?
0: So that started you on your journey, you know, sort of your human rights journey. uh, Because rights are something different that I really understood. Because are we ever taught our rights? You might be, but most people,
1: they're guessing their rights. You're learning it from TV. I mean, unless you make a conscious effort to learn them or schools are teaching you, where else are you going to learn your rights? Do you think it should be taught in schools? Absolutely. Absolutely. The rights are so fundamental and yet not having them so destructive. Like, Think about this scenario. When people's rights are violated or disproportionately affected, right? That's not just robbing them of like an opportunity to develop themselves, but it's also taking time that they could use to focus their energy on being creative, learning things, enjoying life. But instead, like in some parts of the US, you have parents talking to kids as young as eight and nine about what to do if you get arrested. What do you do? if you get in trouble, because they're so disproportionately targeted.
0: The United Nations has 17 published sustainable development goals that are meant to create a better future for people and our planet. Number 10 on that list is reduced inequalities. Teaching people about their rights is a major step towards this goal. Even if we all have the same rights, they're disproportionately violated for certain populations, depending on race gender, and socioeconomic status. So, yes, it should be taught. Because what I found when I did a little uh, research into this, it's not on the national curriculums in a majority of countries. Now, the funny thing is, those universal rights I mentioned, right, that there are the 30 human universal basic rights, they're universal. So there's actually not country to country. Does it differ country to country? I and mean, when we have these 30 universal, and then just, do countries make up their own? Or can they choose to not abide by some of those 30?
1: Yeah. so... The way I think of rights is there's different layers. So you have like, for example, the universal rights, right? But each country, those are like recommended. Not each country has to abide by them. But then within each country, then you have your rights at a federal level, like at least in the U.S. And then at a state level Mm. can differ. And it can even differ down to the county within the state that you're in, right? In some states, when a police officer asks you for an ID, for example there's a different level of what you have to do to satisfy that versus other states where you don't have to provide an ID,
0: Mm.
1: right? So it can can differ greatly.
0: I'm curious, you know, going back to your scenario, you know, you being a young kid in university, you know, getting into this trouble wrongfully and end up getting kicked out of university, right? You've had your bad learned experience through that method. I mean, how would you have done that situation differently with the knowledge you have now?
1: So one, I would have known before the incident ever happened, that I can just simply say I'd like to talk to a lawyer and I don't want to sign any documents that might incriminate me, right? Mm. So those two things alone would have stopped the whole process of me starting to go into like, oh, well, he signed a document, said he was there, it said this, because I didn't read it at all. I just was scared and I signed it. Mm. Second, those people that were witnessing what happened, they would have known how to help me as well because they would have known that there's organizations out there that can provide like, free legal service, right? They would also know how to like do citizen witnessing to document what happened to me. Mm. And then after this whole thing happened, I would have known at least where to go and how to advocate for myself, right? Because those three things didn't exist. And this was way before cell phones even existed. So add to that (laughs) a lot more barriers.
0: You might take your rights for granted, but if you aren't informed, Wales says it's almost like not having them at all. It's who's more reliable and who's more knowledgeable in the system.
1: Mm. So, for example, what happens to some people is they'll have an encounter with police or immigration agents, and they'll try to assert their rights. They'll, in fact, say, Mm. I don't want to talk. I don't consent to you searching me. And then the official at the other end, whether it's police or immigration, might say something like, well, if you don't, I'm just going to arrest you. Mm. That's against you. are breaking the law. You're going to be in more trouble. Right. Not knowing that you can, in fact, just say, fine, please get a warrant. And if they insist to violate your rights, then that's just in your favor for the lawyer to help you. Mm. But you
0: don't know that. And you're so intimidated by the process that it's hard to know that. And it's a high stakes situation, right? Like if someone walked walk in right now, we're recording this podcast. They said, Matthew Smith, you're under arrest or you're being accused for this. Yeah. How would you recommend me to react if someone walked into this podcast studio right now and tried to throw some accusations at me and, and arrest me?
1: There are two superpowers that you can have in a situation like this. Tell me. The first superpower is being calm. But you can only be calm if you know what your rights are, but being absolutely as hard as it is being calm. And the second is exercising your right to be silent. Be respectful. Do your best to be calm. And you can simply say, I'm not interested in having a conversation. I want to exercise my right to be silent. And I'd like to speak to an attorney. Then after that, this is the hard part. You really just stay silent. Because what will happen next is they'll just try to talk to you. They might just say like, well, I'm just trying to have a conversation with you. Mm. Like, you don't want to tell me, like, who else lives here or what were you doing? They'll start asking you all these questions. And it's not necessarily that you're doing anything wrong. It's just you might give out information that's either going to make you be perceived as inconsistent because you're like, oh, it's just a casual conversation. Mm. Or you're going to put yourself in a position to make it more difficult for a lawyer to help you if you are in trouble. Right? So it's not about, like, I want to encourage people to avoid the law. But these are rights. You have them. And just stay silent and just be patient. It's hard though.
0: So take me back to that story. So you're at university, you've experienced this injustice. You reacted on emotion, on a fear, as any human being would do. You are actually being played against the system here. And obviously you were wrongfully, I don't know if you were convicted or however that prevailed, but that was a pretty horrific experience, right? What continued after that? So was that where you felt compelled to make a change? What was your first step after that injustice?
1: Yeah. So what was interesting when that happened, a lot of people said, you must be really angry. You must be angry this happened to you. And actually at the moment, it wasn't anger that was the dominant uh, emotion. It was fascination more than frustration. Like I was really genuinely fascinated, like, wait, how did this just happen? And is this happening To many other people, is it just me? Is it a one-off? Like it really kind of started to unravel, give me the thread to start to pull at and unravel. And so over the course, it's been something in the back of my head that one day I want to do something to overcome this.
0: Wail went into a career in banking, but social justice never left his mind. He traveled to South Africa to learn about the apartheid and worked with the Desmond Tutu Truth and Reconciliation Institute out there. He also went to Alabama to meet with activists who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. Eventually, it came to him that he could combine his passion for activism with the knowledge of technology and entrepreneurship.
1: So when the time came, and at that time I'd been in banking for about 14 years, I was watching these videos of, uh, I think it was Philando Castile who got shot uh, in a vehicle with uh, his uh, girlfriend's daughter in the back. And I was just like, wow, there, there has to be a solution to this. And that was the first time I got like super serious about like, okay, I want to do something about this. And over a weekend, I built up a prototype, a concept for what this would look like, showed it to some people, had a conversation about it. And I think within maybe the next month, I left this 14-year career in banking to pursue this journey.
0: What did that first product look like? That sort of MVP, minimum viable product of rights 1.0 or 0.01?
1: <laughs> yeah, the very first product was focused on filming the police because that's what everyone was doing at the time. Like There was a lot of visibility. And it was a better tool to be able to film the police, so it would, like let you back up your video to the cloud. It would allow you to notify like emergency contacts and things like that. Uh, so that was the original focus. Is that a good strategy?
0: You know, say you know, someone walks into this room right now and tries to arrest me, or says you know, or, or confronts me and pushes me to speak about topics or themes that I'm not willing to, or that makes me feel uncomfortable. Is getting my phone out and filming? Mm. Am I allowed to do that? Am I allowed to to record visual audio? What am I allowed and what am I not allowed to do in that scenario?
1: Yeah, so in an ideal world, we should normalize citizen witnessing and where you have a right to be a citizen witness and video record, you should be able to do that. In real life, it's a bit more intimidating. It's your comfort level and you might even be arrested and wrongfully even physical force used for you doing that, right? There's some very visceral reactions. Uh, As far as the legality of it, in the majority of states, you are allowed to do it in public, so long as you're not impeding on what the officer is doing or obstructing them. There are some states where you need two-party consent to record the audio. It's an old law. So in that scenario, you have to say, I'm recording and I'm recording the audio. And if they say, I don't consent, then you have to mute. Mm. And we have that built into the app where it'll tell you that and then it'll allow you just to mute the audio so you don't collect evidence in a wrongful manner. Mm. And then if you're on private property, it's up to the owner of that property. So if I'm at a restaurant and something's happening and I want to film and they say, hey, no filming in the restaurant, it's private property, right? So short answer is I personally believe we should just normalize citizen witnessing. Mm. Right. It's the, the intent is to create more transparency. It's not to impede. The short answer is, don't do what doesn't feel comfortable for you. Do mm-hmm. what puts you in the best position to protect your rights.
0: So citizens have a role to play in this too, right? It's not just the uh, ill-accused or unaccused or accused um, in, the, in those scenarios. So back to your, your example there. So yeah, early days, uh, what year is this? You know, you've you decided not to quit everything. You quit your probably very well-paid banking job of 14 years. People are going, dude, you're crazy. Why are you trying to create something that doesn't exist for something that we didn't even know we needed?
1: Yeah, it was basically, I was obsessed with this thing. I would—I don't think I got any sleep, but I didn't feel it. It was just like, I think I spent about a year just like, I want to have conversations. Mm. So I talked to people that were like activists. I talked to people that worked in not-for-profits. I talked to people that were impacted. I talked and talked until I was like, okay, I think I see what everyone is saying and what's missing here, Mm. right? So like I had a couple of insights that were really valuable to us. So one, we were like, okay, people are, have tools. They can just use their cell phone camera to like film an incident. That's happening. But also people were mistaking visibility for progress.
0: People knew that they could film interactions with the police, but they didn't know how to do that or how to leverage what they'd filmed. You can actually film in rights currently in the app and it will walk you through what to do in your current situation while also uploading the video to the cloud.
1: So we're like, okay, we need to design this in a way that's engaging. By nature of the subject matter, civil rights can be really depressing. So we're like, we need to find a way to use positive psychology. Mm. So we shouldn't just highlight the, Tragedies, we need to also focus on the wins to keep people like hopeful
0: that's a really interesting narrative because it's true it is you look at it and it's all like doom and gloom in the scenarios that when when there is injustice and i'm looking at the 30 basic human rights right now the list number one is the right to equality and the last one is freedom from state or personal interference in the above rights so it's actually an all of above kind of thing right yeah. uh, <laughs> how do you begin to interpret that and how do you begin to make that user-friendly and layman's terms because i'm reading half of these and, and i feel like unless cool. i have a law degree? Where do I begin? How do I imply that into my life?
1: Perfect question. So one, we started with the belief that all rights start at a hyperlocal level. That means like with the individual. Two, we recognize most people are not going to be able to understand legal jargon, nor should they be expected to. So what we did is we've devised a format for how we're going to interpret and display the information. So our first premise was that If you only had 30 seconds to answer a question and you're like, hey, Matt, what do I do? Police are at my school campus. What would that 30 second answer be? And so when you look at question, that's going to be the answer there. Like you have the right to be silent. Don't resist arrest. Ask for a lawyer. Then the second thing would be, if there's any exception or warning, what would that be in one sentence or two? And it might be something like, They may arrest you even if you remain silent. Don't resist. And then we have like a long body of the text if you want to dig in and like see the sources and get information.
0: You don't only need to know your rights when being stopped by the police or arrested. Do you know your voting rights? Your rights at work or school? Or your rights at a protest?
1: We take all these questions and answer them in a human way. So it's actionable, not just like, oh, I know what the law is.
0: So let's continue with the example in this. I'm in my podcast studio right now, right? Someone walks in right now. I would go into, is it an app? It's a mobile app, yes. Mobile application uh, called R-E-Y-E-T-S, right? Yes, correct.
1: It's a combination of rights, like R-I-G-H-T-S, and I, E-Y-E, as in like being an eyewitness, and kind of mashed together.
0: I love it, right.
1: Yeah, so as soon as you open the app, it's the first page is basically a camera view, so like the viewfinder of the
0: camera. But while you're filming, you can navigate the rest of the app. You also can set the app to film immediately upon opening and send your location to emergency contacts.
1: It starts filming. On the bottom, you'll have like some emergency contacts, and then you'll have the rights logo. You tap the rights logo. It'll drop down a menu of rights where you can continue filming, but you can like scroll through and look, okay, stops and arrests and then find what applies to you. Mm. The second thing the app does though, is we try to use your geolocation to guess what the situation might be. So for example, if you're opening the app on a highway, the app's going to assume it's a traffic stop. So right on the viewfinder of the camera, it's going to have a little shortcut for traffic stops in your area. If you're at an airport, it's probably travel or immigration. If you're in a residential area, it's probably home. If you're at school, and so on and so on, mm. just to kind of make it more easy and accessible. And then we might have other shortcuts, like things you should know. So once you're documenting, you can see a script there. It'll even tell you, like, this is what to say to a police officer. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to be silent. I don't want to talk. I'd like a lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. But if your phone gets taken away, You can lock your phone. It'll continue recording audio. And all that is backed up to your cloud. Wow. So later after incident, you can go back to whatever cloud service you use, whether that's Apple or Android, and you can find those files there. We purposely made it so that we will never get access to your videos unless you physically send them to us to protect you. Mm. Because we don't want to be in a position where we're subpoenaed to give up your information.
0: Because mm. I almost feel as uh, like you said at uh, the, the beginning of this, you know, a lot of it, when we go into a scenario that is uh, with, with police and with enforcement, you know, there's the asymmetry of information. They have all the knowledge, we have none of the knowledge because majority of arrests are first time, right? in, in many cases uh, such as yours, right? Yep. So we almost are setting ourselves up for failure to further incriminate ourselves unless we plead the fifth, the fifth amendment, you know, the right to remain silent. So I almost feel as if law enforcement, don't they have an incentive to partner with you to create campaigns around, hey, if you're ever in a sticky situation, whether it be, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, rights, think rights, open up this product. It's a state funded, state organized. Or are you facing friction?
1: Common sense would dictate what you said would be correct, that they should want want people to know their rights. However, at the same time, if you step back and think about what you're asking them to do, it's almost like, oh, we're going to help an auditor audit us, right? So from a culture standpoint, Mm -hmm. there's a huge policing culture in the U.S. that's very like, you might've heard this term, like the blue line, don't cross the Mm -hmm. blue line, right? So because of that culture, it makes it very difficult for us to get their buy-in. But also if we did get their buy-in, it might hurt our stance with with our users because our users want to trust that we're independent Mm. right so if they believe like oh you're working directly with law enforcement they might feel like oh are you giving up our information there so it's this kind of balancing act where we want to focus on helping people let no enforcement know this tool is available with the goal to help people
0: and uh, So since the beginning, you know, you, you launched this product so many years ago, and have been growing and developing since then. Since your initial passion uh, many years ago at university, where are you in that journey so far, and how much further do we have to go until everybody knows their rights?
1: Yeah, so I think for us, as you probably recognize, it's not an easy journey because there's lots of parties that you need to involve, but you also need to balance their uh, motivations. So Mm -hmm. for us along the journey, the biggest thing that we're focused on like today, today, right now with the product and our mission, what we're doing is making sure that we help people learn their rights in a way that's being able to be engaging. So for example, the way I've just described the product and you've said it, oh, you have to remember like, oh, rights is there. First of mine, I got to download it. Then I have to look for the information. It's all based on knowledge retention, right? Like I need to retain the knowledge and learn it. That is not a viable system. If you want millions of people to use it and Gen Z who are learning things in 15 second increments, that needs to change. So for us, we want to go from being like what I call like the WebMD of civil rights to the Duolingo of civil rights, where there's actually learning modules that are interactive where I'm there like, oh, I'm at home. What are my rights at home? And then it'll be more like I'm swiping up. There's a little video. There's a quiz. There's some interactive elements and then I'm getting a badge and then that's becoming very public where I can. So, so that it's, it's becoming like a gamification of it to get people to really learn. And that's something you can deploy like at schools, workplaces. So we want to build out that infrastructure to make it much more interactive. And then the second phase of that is building out the tools that we've already built. So I think we've kind of built the tools first when we should have focused on the education first, in hindsight.
0: So given that analogy of Duolingo, actually, I like that angle there, instead of the, you know, the, the WebMD and Duolingo, will you go into different rights in different jurisdictions? So currently the product is live in the U.S. and is tailored and targeted towards the U.S.
1: Correct. We've gotten people both in Canada and Europe and uh, even parts of Africa and the Middle East have asked if we would expand. Mm. uh we definitely would but i think the u.s is a good place for us to perfect the model to make expansion easier versus us just going like right now and be like hey i'm going to be in south africa norway and the uk would be very challenging for us to do uh in in an efficient way so i think u.s is where we hone the model we get it down and i think that's something we can do like within the next 12 months and then we start thinking about like okay where are the next uh places that we want to expand to.
0: Mm. So what gives you hope?
1: What gives me hope is that people are excited about what we're doing. Gen Z and millennials are by far, by far the most engaged of any generation. I think there's a crazy statistic out there where it's like 91% have participated in some sort of activism. 70 plus percent are Aware and engage about like Black Lives Matter movements and, and other things. And given that their population is growing, they're and they're coming of age, they are also going to be the future leaders, lawmakers, politicians, police officers. So that's the opportunity to create generational change. Mm.
0: So after this, you've given us some advice. How can we all from this second onwards go and lead our lives living forward? What would be the, give us three steps to understand our rights. What would be our next three steps from, from today going forward?
1: Yes. So one, think about scenarios like you, that was an excellent realistic scenario. Make it real. What are things that are Im- important to you and people around you? And actually go start researching them. Our app is an excellent place to start with that. If you're in the US. Uh, second, engage with the organizations around you. Right. So, I mean, like what I would do is I would literally just Google, like, think about something you really care about. So let's say that's immigration rights. I'd look for an organization. I'd sign up and just whatever time I'm allowed to do, I would contribute some time or effort to go educate myself. And the third and I think most important step and most difficult is not to engage in willful blindness. Mm. What I mean by that is that it's very easy to see an injustice and think like, wow, I don't want to get a part of that. I'm going to stand behind and just walk away. Don't walk away. That doesn't mean I'm not telling people, go be vigilantes or put Mm -hmm. yourself in harm's way. But do the bare, at least the bare minimum. It might be taking a picture. It might be commenting. It might be going, reporting it somewhere. But don't let that moment pass without you contributing in a way that can help that person or that situation. But again, that takes uh, some intentionality to get there.
0: So I, I'm gonna tell you what exactly i am just done. So I've just downloaded rights, by the way, there you can see it there. Beautiful. So um, I'm, I've downloaded it. Ignorance isn't an argument for, 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 for injustice, right? Like uh, for not knowing. So I'm just gonna spend, a short amount of time learning and and, and, and skimming these kind of things. I've done a bit of knowledge. Whatever I remember, I remember. Whatever I don't, I don't. If I'm ever, God forbid, in a situation like that, I just need to remember rights, 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 rights. Rights. Just remember rights. Wael, thank you so much for joining us, mate. This has been really insightful to learn about our basic human rights that actually the majority of us aren't as well aware of as we should be
1: thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure coming on here. And it's a privilege to have this platform to talk about it, talk to your audience and the work of justice doesn't stop. So let's keep doing it.
0: So that's it. Thank you all for joining me, Matsy Smith, on this episode of Better Heroes. You can learn more about rights at reyets.com. And you can learn more about EY Ripples and all our impact entrepreneurs at ey.com slash EY Ripples. The links are in our show notes. Hey, before you go, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Better Heroes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also rate and leave our show a review to help others find out about the amazing work of our impact entrepreneurs. We'd like to thank our podcast producers, Human Group Media, who helped us bring this show to life. That's it for today's episode. We'll be back next week. Better Heroes is a project of EY Ripples, a global program to mobilize people across the EY network to help solve the world's most urgent social and environmental challenges. By extending EY's skills, knowledge, and experience to impact entrepreneurs on a not for profit basis, and forging collaborations with like-minded organizations, EY Ripples is helping scale new technologies and business models that are purposefully driving progress towards the UN's 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The views of third parties set out in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the global EY organization or its member firms. Moreover, they should be seen in the context of the time that they were made.